So, are you going to heaven or to hell? Truth is, I don't know. But now that I got you here, let's talk about it. friends um so yeah a little cheeky intro there but i was just thinking about like heaven and hell and how those things can be quite misunderstood especially if it's like interdenominational between different christian faiths and i just thought you know it might be a good idea to do a clarifying episode on what is heaven and what is hell so yeah so first of all going to heaven and going to hell i i really don't like the terminology there because it makes hell and heaven sound like a place and that is very contrary to the catholic perspective and the catholic truth on things so heaven and hell are not places you know there's not someone who lives in hell and lives in heaven as a place but they live in hell and live in heaven as states of being so yes, state of being, that's much more much more interesting than a place. You know, you, you think of like, okay, like heaven, you know, as a kid, I thought heaven was full of all these good things and full of all of your desires. And the truth is they are full of good things and heaven is full of all of your desires, but it's not what you would think. They're not material things. They're not like candy as I thought as a kid. No, but heaven is the state of being in perfect relationship with Christ. You know, as Catholics, we have fancy Latin words because we like to categorize things. So we call it the beatific vision, which is like beholding the face of Christ and just having that that intimacy and having that perfect relationship with him. Like, okay, how, how many times in our lives do we have instances where we really want to do something good and then we fall and we feel terrible about it. And we have instances in our lives where we just, we're doing the opposite of what we'd like to do. That, that is what we would like to, as Catholics call our concupiscible, our concupiscible nature. Sorry, I can't even roll it off my tongue correctly. Uh, concupiscence, basically. Uh, concupiscence is that tendency to be disordered within ourselves. I and mean, this is a natural result of the fall in the book of Genesis, which, you know, as Catholics, we take as it could be categorical and the sense of more of like it's it's trying to reveal bigger truths by displaying a more imaginative language or it could be actually true the catholic church doesn't take a stance on that but anyway we do know from the book of genesis that there was a fall that man was disobedient to god and had no inclination to sin which was awesome unfortunately though we lost it and we ended up sinning and then now because of that there's this disorder within the human race called concupiscence where we do things that we do not want to do necessarily. This is why Paul says, why is it that I do what I hate and not what I love? Um, I may be messing that up a little bit, so we'll just call that a paraphrase instead of misquotation if I messed it up. But yes, so, all right, going back to heaven or hell. So heaven is the perfect relationship with Christ, which means that we don't have this concupiscence anymore. Uh, all right. In heaven, we won't have a tendency or we won't have a want towards things that are disordered to things that are more hellish and they're, you know, and all that they are in their essence. 
So then what, what does that make hell, right? So we, we talked about concupiscence and wanting the disorder and heaven is the, you know, having that perfect relationship with Christ. We can experience the full joy with him without being restrained or taken down by our, uh, our concupiscible nature. What is hell? Well, I, you know, this may not be the best answer, but I would just say it's anything other than Christ. When you make anything other than your relationship with Christ, your God, your deity, what, what is the most important thing in your life? What is the thing that you're putting the most energy towards in your life? What is what you're actively working on a daily basis the most towards becomes your deity. And hell is just simply putting anything other than Christ on the throne of your heart and as the God of your life. So what is hell? Well, hell is the complete and utter lack of a relationship with Christ. So even here on earth in this temporal time, we can experience moments where we can be completely and utterly disobedient uh, and we can have absolutely no no love for Christ and invest nothing in his relationship, but we still have parts of our relationship with Christ. Like even if you're, we call another technical definition, mortal sin, which means that your relationship with Christ is dead and you don't have a relationship with him. You still have the, you still have graces afforded to you. You still have Christ reaching out his hand to you during this life. As long as you're alive and you're listening to this podcast, listening to this podcast, not being something important to your salvation, but so long as you are alive, you have Christ's continuously open hand to friendship. He's continuously extending out to you a hand of love. But as we all know, this life is a temporal thing and it's passing. So there comes a point where you, you will no longer be living. I will no longer be living. And in this, we, in the culmination of our lives, what we choose to the end, at the very end, that is what we ultimately would choose for all of eternity. So that's kind of a weird concept, but it's not so weird for the Catholic because we believe that eternity begins in the present time. All right, so what does that mean? That means that your eternity is not something far from you that you reach at the end of your life, but that your eternity is something that you're living in the present actively. So that if you're living a hellish life where you have no relationship with Christ, you're already beginning that trend. You're already living in your eternal consequences, right? They're not just things off in the distant. They affect us in the present as well. They just have a very, you know, very big and a less finite and more eternal impact towards the end of our lives. I mean, encouraging news though, you can always turn it around. So long as you're living, you have a chance and shot at heaven. So that's good, good stuff. But when it comes to eternity, you know, that hellish lifestyle, we, we live here on earth, right? So, you know, this is, uh, I think, a good, f not phrase, excuse me, a very good scripture to pull here is like Jesus says, and you will know them by their fruits. So here he's, you know, he's talking about persons, and you'll know what kind of person is by how they act, because from the fullness of the heart does man speak. Sorry, I was trying to tie that in there. It kind of works, but yeah, it's all right. Let's just move on. <laughs> all right. So anyways, 
going back to it. So out of the fullness of your life, you know, you have these actions which gives you really good, it gives you a really good understanding and compass of where are you. Um, and let's dive into that a little bit. Okay, so like where are you? You know, what are the fruits of your life? You know, as, a, as Catholics, we're not so much focused on the exterior things like, you know, a good job, a good pay salary, lots of vacation, the ideal house, the ideal car. We're not really concerned with the exterior. We're more concerned with interior things. When you look at the, you know, our saints that we love so much because they're our brothers, they're our family, and we love our family. All saints are. It's just basically in the middle that love is stronger than death and that love connects us to those who have passed on because death is weaker than love. I think that's a pretty clear, dry explanation of saints. So moving on, like when you look at our saints and you look at who we have as people that we want to imitate, you look at their lives and they're kind of nasty lives. They're kind of crummy lives. Uh, I mean, look at uh, Father Maximilian Kolbe. He died in a concentration camp, living pretty horrible conditions. But we love him because of everything in spite of that. Or you can look at, let's say, St. Francis of Assisi. I know I use him a lot on this podcast, but he's a wonderful example of this. His life was extreme poverty and extreme penance, so a lot of discomfort in his life. Yet the man exuded a joy because though exteriorly he was embracing all of these obstacles and all of these challenges and all this poverty that he had, Inwardly, he was rich. Uh, scripture that I'm thinking of now is like, um, wherever your treasure is, so too is your heart. And Jesus asks us in that scripture to build our treasure in heaven. So when looking at where are you in life and where is your compass pointing, we look inwardly as Catholics and we say, okay, what are the fruits of my life right now? And, you know, spiritual direction is a wonderful thing if you can have a wise mentor. But a generally good rule is, are you in your life more downcast? Are you isolated from friends? Are you agitated? Do you feel that your life is filled with graces and virtues? And if the answer to a lot of these questions is, I am agitated a lot of the time. I am feeling very poor in graces right now. And I feel myself so easily embracing vice as opposed to embracing virtue. Or I am isolated and I feel like no one understands me and I have no friends. Like these are all signs of the, you know, the, the demonic or the diabolic, the, the diaboline and the Greek, I believe it's Greek, is meaning to tear apart. So like isolation, a feeling of isolation, a feeling of depression can be signs that you are not living a full life, but you are living a hellish life, which is absent of the relationship of Christ. You know, and you know, easily looking at the other side too, what are the fruits of living a good life? I mean, there, yes, certainly trials upon trials and a good holy life if you're living it right, because the road to healing is always blocked. So you may have maybe this inward complete desolation but there's still joy there and there's you're still able to give uh, and I, I say this as more of an example so let's let's back down a little bit and then get to that okay let's go to a more basic fundamental okay what are the what's going on in your life are you generally happy 
do you find yourself gravitating towards a community, even if it's just a small community, it doesn't have to be a lot of people, but just you find that you have a place within a society of peoples and that you feel a love coming and exuding out from inside your heart? Do you find yourself giving thanks quite often to God for the many things that you have, which is, by the way, a phenomenal way to break a bad downward spiral is to just give thanks. Do you find yourself chasing after graces? Do you find yourself being inspired in the spiritual life? Like there are these inward graces that we can look at and say, okay, where are we heading towards? Where, what, what is the fruit of the labor that I've been giving in my life? And also a good thing to look at is what is the labor that you're choosing in your life? You know, like maybe you're feeling good at times because you're keeping yourself busy, but then you realize in the silence that there's an inward emptiness. And maybe you want to busy yourself, but that's, that's not the right answer. So we can, yes, so getting back to heaven and hell, you know, we, we can see what trajectory we're on by looking inwardly and asking ourselves a series of questions. I don't, I did, trust me, I did not exhaust all of the questions that you can ask yourself to see as a guide is like, where are you heading? Are you happy? But returning more towards the fundamental question, heaven and hell, where are you going? One, yeah, not, not a place, right? It's a state of life. Uh, two, it is primarily concerned with just a relationship with Christ and that's it. But third, what I would like to talk about here is, you know, it kind of just makes sense because hell is such a very terrible thing. It is objectively horrifying and terrible, but it's not so much the lake of fire in the sense of just, just abject torture. But heaven and hell, with that relationship with Christ, it's... It's a terrible thing to be in hell because it's like having a loved one that you never said I loved you to, and then you never get the chance again to tell them that. That opportunity never is able to present itself. It's like having someone close in your life, and then there's this huge rift that happens because of our fallen nature, and then suddenly they're taken away from you, and you can never again tell them that you love them. I think perhaps that is the hellfire that we feel in hell. And the problem is, once you're in your eternal state, you no longer have the capacity to grow in grace. So those who choose hell never once just choose it after their death, but it's an eternal no. It's that eternal refusal to be with Christ. So we see that... Uh, it is truly and objective, objectively terrible. But it's, it's not necessarily unjust because God, he's not going to force himself on us. See, God is the ultimate gentleman. If after an entire lifetime of saying no, that we don't want him, he's such a gentleman, he will not force himself upon us. He will not force us to heaven. But if we reject him our entire lives, he's willing to let us live in eternity without him. 
But there is great, great, great hope. You know, there's wonderful hope. One, you're alive. And I don't know of any dead people that are subscribed to this podcast, which means you have ability, ability to change your life in whichever way that you see fit. And two, you know, there there is no there's no faith out there without a personal commitment. But uh, when you listen, not as a bud, but listening to Bishop Robert Barron, it gives you even a greater hope because there's a hope out there that Christ's love is so great that we can hope that all the souls that may be destined for hell can be redeemed. Now, that's not the Catholic Church. We don't say that it's, oh, sorry, the Catholic Church's position, let me be specific, is not that hell does not exist. Hell does exist. It is a real place. And your actions here on earth have very real consequences. But being Catholics, we are people primarily of hope and the resurrection. We are people of Easter. We have a Lent, but we are a people of Easter. So we hold on to hope. So for those who may need hope more, who have already passed on, we can have a reasonable hope that God has a most merciful love that can undo even hell. But as Catholics, we also recognize that there is a hell and that our actions are serious. And we should not presume to use the love of Christ as an escape for us to be irresponsible here on earth and to choose against him. We have to recognize that God does give us authority. God does give us important choices with important consequences. So we should seek as much as possible to live in that love that Christ wants us to have. All, like I said, heaven is, is just a relationship with him. And having that perfect relationship without all the struggles of earth, which sounds like a pretty darn good deal. But... Uh, we need to make sure that we are guarding that hope that we have and that relationship that we have here on earth. So I hope that is not too maybe accusatory for people who are not Catholic. I hope that this is a, a good, maybe I hope it's even hopeful because, you know, again, you know, it's something that's you know beautiful and interesting is the Catholic Church has saints in heaven that we know for a fact and are in heaven and we declare that. But never has a Catholic Church ever said we know for certain that this person is in hell. Like to the greatest of sinners, Hitler, no. Judas, the betrayer of God himself, even Judas, no. So we are a people of hope. We don't strive to be a people of condemnation. We don't seek to like to call people and actually are commanded not to judge. And this is you know the true sense of not judging is not handing down someone's sentence upon them. Because only Christ can do that. You know, we don't hope for people to be in hell. We pray and intercede for the conversion of the whole world because we want everyone to be in that loving relationship of Christ because we want to be a community of love. So we seek that everybody have this love. Ah, I hope that was not too controversial, my friends. God bless you guys, and I am praying for you. You know, sometimes in life you just gotta slow down because you're speaking so fast you just make mistakes. 
this is one of those times for me. So two things important need clarification. One is when I was talking about the book of Genesis, I think it did a pretty good job of saying one way to interpret things is in a more metaphorical language. I don't think I clarified that the second way you can interpret that is in a literal sense. Now, the Catholic Church is open to both. The one thing that is really important is to understand the truths that are trying to be conveyed by the means of either metaphorical or literal translations of this text. So, for instance, when we're talking about the creation of the world in seven days, what's really important to note is that in Hebrew, the word for seven is the same word for covenant. So you have the word shava, which is the Hebrew word, is demonstrating that in seven days, God creates everything, but also seven days is a covenant. So God is not just passively creating things out of the blue and has no care about them, but he's making a covenant with his creation. So important to note, the high truths, the means, whether it be literal or metaphorical, is up to debate and interpretation according to the Catholic Church. Okay, moving on to the second. Ooh, sorry, I did that weird thing again where like I just inhale and inhale and inhale and then I tried to exhale uh, and it just was very awkward for me. Uh, okay, so point number two that I needed to clarify was that when looking interiorly and looking at your life, like that's a really good general rule, which means it should be followed as a general rule and not a hard, fast rule. So don't take that too much because there's you know a problem where you can look so much inwardly that you get hyper sensitive to things that are going on in your life. And then it's just a distracting force in your life that is not allowing you to live freely. So yes, use it as a general rule, not as a hardcore absolute. So with that, I hope that helps. Thank you.